Seattle Sports Saturdays with Curtis Rogers and Taylor Jacobs on 710 ESPN Seattle. Hour two of Seattle Sports Saturday. A lot of texts coming in on the text line 710-710. Regarding where do the Huskies go from here? Because, boy, a five-win season, never acceptable. Uh, Back-to-back, just really terrible seasons by UW standards, by Pac-12 standards. Uh, A lot of good texts coming in. The 253 says, Romar not looking so bad now. Yeah, but his last season was on the level of Mike Hopkins' last two. So it's not like Romar would have been much better, but Lorenzo still could recruit. Yeah, I was going to say he could recruit, but the problem was he couldn't even get the ball in bounds sometimes. They would get violations on inbounds passing. Yeah. Like, you you can't get – you got to coach up a play, at least drop something to get one player open to get the ball in bounds. Like, yes – the recruiting Romar would have done a heck of a job here, and uh, who knows? Maybe he's still got some sort of role in UW basketball in the future, but not as head coach. Definitely, definitely not. Maybe he becomes, uh, you know, one of those figures that just kind of sits in the stands and oversees the program, uh, but while wearing a sweater vest. That's what a lot of ex head coaches do when they reach that level of uh, of years in the game. Dick Bennett did it at Wazoo with his son, Tony. So, like, look, it, it's worked before. Look, I'm not saying Brandon Roy is Romar's son, but, like, you know, maybe in a basketball relationship, sure. Very possible. Very possible. Uh, some Sweet 16 action going on right now. Why don't we get into this hour's big three? Number one. Yeah, Curtis, you mentioned it. Sweet 16 kicking off today. The new schedule for this year where the game's taking place on the weekend number one seed Baylor one of the favorites to make the championship will take on five seed Villanova at 215 today in a battle of two really good programs right now in college basketball uh, three seed the Arkansas Razorbacks taking on tournament darling 15 seed Oral Roberts check your mouth at 425 today as those two teams take each other on and the nightcap tonight, two-seed Houston Cougs taking on Buddy Behan, Buddy Buckets, and the Syracuse Orange at 6.55 tonight. But the matchup everyone in the Northwest cares about, everyone's focused on, currently underway, 12-seed Oregon State Beavs look to take down Sister Jean, Mean Jean, Sister Jean, uh, and the number 8-seed Loyola Chicago team currently Nine three with eleven fifty left in the first. So at this rate, we're looking at an eighteen six first half scoreline for this basketball <laughs> game. So buckle up, fans of offense. It's going to be a defensive battle there in that one. But you can watch that show currently on CBS while you're listening to this radio program for the rest of the hour. Number two. Sister Jean enjoying that score, taking it back to when Naismith invented basketball. Uh, plenty of wheeling and dealing in the NFL on Friday, and teams look to move their way up the draft board. The first move, 49ers, the division rival, moving all the way up to number three overall in a deal with the Miami Dolphins. Heading back to the Dolphins will be San Francisco's number 12 pick 
and also first rounders in 2022 and 2023 and also a third rounder in next year's draft. Also, the Dolphins not done making moves. That 49ers trade made with John Lynch in attendance at Zach Wilson's Pro Day. Maybe that's where the BYU quarterback could be headed. But Miami making another big splash on Friday. They struck a deal with the Eagles to move up from pick number 12 that they got from the 49ers to number six with the Eagles. Philadelphia going back down six spots in that first round. Miami appearing to be eyeing help for Tua Tonga by low at either wide receiver. Maybe Jamar, Jamar Chase or Devontae Smith. Or at left tackle, could Penny Sewell still be available at that pick? And you also have to wonder, why did the Eagles decide to trade down after throwing the final game of the regular season in order to ensure themselves of getting that pick at number six? Very bizarre decision-making in Philadelphia. Kind of par for the course for that franchise. Number three. Well, from one of the busiest NFL trade periods to one of the busiest NBA trade deadlines in recent NBA history, the Magic going full explosivo mode here and blowing that thing up to the studs. They and the Chicago Bulls exchanged Otto Porter Jr., Wendell Carter Jr., Two junior first-round picks. No, I'm just kidding. Just two, uh, a 2021 first-round pick and a 2023 first-round pick in exchange for Nikola Vucevic. So pretty busy week there. And then the Nuggets acquiring Aaron Gordon in exchange for Gary Harris, RJ Hampton, and a projected 2025 first-round pick. And the Celtics getting Evan Fournier in exchange for two second-round picks. Whew, a mouthful there. So... They're just loading up on picks there in Orlando, but locally the Blazers making a deal to acquire another shooting guard in Norman Powell in exchange for Gary Trent Jr. and Rodney Hood. A lot of NBA action, a lot of exchanging teams, trades, things of that nature. So uh, pretty pretty uh, busy time there in the NBA, and not to mention a slew of injuries. We saw Dame Lillard tweak his knee injury this past week. LeBron James is out. Anthony Davis is out. You know, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving both out. So interesting time in the NBA. Uh, one, one wrinkle of that Portland-Toronto trade that was made this week that sent Gary Trent Jr. to the Raptors is that Portland, about 20 years ago, traded Gary Trent Sr. to the Raptors on trade deadline Ooh. day. So... Some Twilight Zone going on right there. Time there is a flat go. circle, as they would say. Uh, some honorable mentions, uh, some sad news in the college football world this morning. Legendary head coach Howard Schnellenberger passing away at this morning at the age of 87. He helped build that Miami program into what it became. Uh, if you watched the ESPN 30 for 30 documentary on Miami, the U uh, you, you definitely know what his legacy is at that college. Um, and then also he helped build uh, or he helped turn the Louisville program into a contender. And then also from the ground up built the Florida Atlantic football program, which is now division one and then also was the offensive coordinator for the 72 Dolphins, the only perfect team in NFL history. I mean, what a legacy this guy leaves. Everywhere he went, everything he touched turned to gold in college football. 
And not only that, Curtis, Curtis, just the impact of the U on the culture of football and and, and what it me- meant to players then, players now. Um, that that program is very important to college football and its history, and 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 he's just as as big of part of that as anyone else. So. Um, 87, great life, great impact on the game of football will forever be remembered at both levels and just truly what you can accomplish in the game of football. So, you know, our, our, our hearts and our thoughts and prayers go out to the family and friends, but, uh, what a life, what an accomplished career that he had. Yeah. And I mean, before he got to Miami, that program was, was nothing and became nothing. It it became an NFL factory after he uh, after he left, and you know Jimmy Johnson followed, Dennis Erickson, Butch Davis, Larry Coker. I mean that whole run there, that twenty five year run that they had. I mean, just unmatched really in the whole sport. And not only that, Curtis, there are many of universities in this country, in the world, and the fact that they are the U. The that the only one they are the <laughs> university. So uh, and it, it just I know I love Miami football so much growing up, and I just thought they played with this swagger, and that's he sort of birthed that identity for Miami football. So you know, uh, quite a loss for the community, but uh, what an impact in his life. Uh, quick score update from the Sweet Sixteen. We're we're seeing an offensive onslaught now. You, it was nine to three. It's now nine to eight. Loyola Chicago up on Oregon State with about nine minutes left in the first half. Five zero run for the Beavs. Watch out. Legitimately, will this game total points be over one hundred? I don't think so. At this rate, we're looking. At I don't a, think at so. Thirty-five to thirty-two nail biter. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think this one's getting over 95. It's going to be a low-scoring yeah. affair. Uh, just taking it back to when teams bleeding out the shot clock to the final second. Uh, you know, some like Villanova basketball back in back in the 80s where you want the score in the 40s. Yeah, chest passing, wicker baskets as the actual baskets, leather <laughs> basketballs. That's what we're going back to right here. Everyone wearing knee braces because they just got off a, a shift at the factory. That's what type of basketball we're watching. <laughs> Smoking cigarettes on the bench. Yeah, it's going to be a, a great yep. one. Frescas uh, and hopefully, cigarettes. <laughs> hopefully the action picks up a little bit more in that game, but... Uh, defensive battle, to say the least, to start this one. Coming up next, we take a look around the NFL, get more into that 49ers trade they made yesterday in order to secure the number 3 pick. Who do we think they're taking that high in the draft? We talk that next here on Seattle Sports Saturday. Seattle Sports Saturdays with Curtis Rogers and Taylor Jacobs. On 710 ESPN Seattle. NFL headlines here on Seattle Sports Saturday. And Taylor, we mentioned it in the big three last out or last segment. Uh, a couple of big trades in the NFL yesterday. The 49ers probably making the biggest splash of the day. Moving up from number 12 to number three overall in the draft. 
I'm pretty sure this means they are going to draft a quarterback with that number one or with that first pick of theirs. They still have Jimmy Garoppolo on the roster, and John Lynch yesterday and Kyle Shanahan both said that Jimmy's still our guy, but that doesn't mean anything when you've got a quarterback class as deep as this one. Taylor, of the quarterbacks available in this year's draft, which one would scare you the most if they fell to the 49ers at number three? I, I like Justin Fields. I know he's an Ohio State QB, and people love to rag on those, but he just feels like a winner and a competitor to me. I don't want to see Justin Fields on that on that roster. But I'll be honest, Curtis, I don't think any of these QBs other than Trevor Lawrence would really scare me this upcoming season, right? I, I think it's going to take some time for these QBs, get adjusted, learn the program, I'm really praying Mac Jones ends up in San Francisco. I think he is overrated. My even my friend who go who uh, is a big Alabama fan, he's down there in Georgia. He was like Mac Jones shouldn't even be a first round discussion. And look, the, the fact that he could be in that that discussion for that pick, I'd love to see the Niners reach on a guy like that and bust because it will set them back. And look. The, the price of doing business to get one of those QBs who you don't even know is a proven commodity yet tells you how expensive it truly would have been to get Russell Wilson. All three first-rounders from Chicago would have done it. Really? Because it took three first-rounders and then some to get the number three pick who could be Trey Lance. You know what I mean? Who knows what Trey Lance is versus Russell Wilson? So... All of those Russell conversations coming into perspective with this trade as well. But uh, what about you, Curtis? Is there any QB or even a, a different position player they wouldn't be taking? But is there a player at number three who would scare you to see on this Niners roster? Yeah, I mean, I don't think Zach Wilson is going to stick around for pick three. I think the Jets are zeroing in on him, even though they've got Sam Darnold on their roster. If Wilson did fall to pick number three with San Francisco, I think that would be one that I would be very hesitant about having to play twice uh, in the same season, year in, year out. Um, Justin Fields and Trey Lance, they are both very physically capable of handling the position. Um, I, I was kind of blown away yesterday by Zach Wilson's pro day. There were some throws he was making that were... Mahomes level, uh, very impressive pro day. I I really think that the 49ers are going to go quarterback. Now, for chaos, for that sake, Bill Barnwell yesterday of ESPN, he had a great tweet, though. It's like, what if the 49ers throw all caution to the wind and take Kyle Pitts, the tight end from Florida? You, you put him on the other side of George Kittle. You've just got the two best tight ends in the game going up uh, on your same offense there. That would be chaotic in every sense i'd love to see it i I would i mean i'd love to see it four or 15 of the 17 games out of the year not so much when they play the seahawks yeah again i'm into that situation loved look i think tight end is one of the coolest positions in all of sports right you're a lineman but you catch passes you're a big guy but you're you know quick and nimble you're all the things i want to see in a football player so I'd love to see more tight end usage, but also at the same time, yeah, I don't want to see that for two weeks specifically because uh, we know the history of Seahawks and tight ends and what happens. And 
it's no disrespect to our linebackers, but it just there's something about tight ends when they when they play the Seahawks, they uh, they turn it up a notch. Yeah, it's not not an easy day at the park when you're trying to cover somebody like that. Uh, the other big trade, Miami moving up from number twelve to number six after making that deal with San Francisco. They also made a deal with Philadelphia. So, I mean, Miami with so much draft capital to work with over the next couple of years. I think the next three drafts, they have two first-round picks in each of those, and they were a double-digit win team this last year. I mean, a very envious spot to be in, especially now that you've got a quarterback on their rookie deal. They could really build something special down in Miami. Uh, Moving up to pick six, kind of, you know, a spot where – it's going to be past that first quarterback wave. They're not probably going to get any of those guys, but it's going to be a start of a run on those wide receivers, Jamar Chase and Devontae Smith probably being the top two. Where do you think Miami goes, Taylor? Do you think they go wide receiver? Or do, do they go left tackle and maybe get somebody to protect Tua and get Penny Sewell in there? I like Sewell. I, I think he's the move. I think he could be there for years to come. You have the QB, then you have the protection. This is feeling very Seahawks-esque down there in Miami. Load up on draft picks, get the quarterback who doesn't make mistakes, doesn't like to turn the ball over, can get outside, extend the play. They got some some playmakers still, and again, like you mentioned, Miami surprising a lot of people this season on how talented they actually are. So get that left tackle, get that piece you can really lean and build around on the offensive line so you know your quarterback is safe. You can find, I, I hate to say this, but again, you can find those wide receivers a little bit later. You can find some of those skill positions a little bit later and have a better chance of them popping than you would maybe um, having some of those top flight playmakers fail at the top of the offensive or at the at the top of that first round. So I, I'm going left tackle. What about you? I, I really like Sewell. I, he was an incredible college football yeah. player at Oregon. And, I mean, when you've got a quarterback like Tua who is mobile, you want to give him as much time as possible to throw. And getting you know somebody like Penny Sewell on your offensive line in addition to the other guys that are already there, I mean, that would be a heck of a unit in order to protect Tua Tagovailoa. I mean, they do have some good wide receivers already in Miami. Devontae Parker kind of being chief among them. Uh, Adding somebody like Devontae Smith, that would be a a big move that I'd like to see. Uh, But I I think Penny Sewell is going to be, he may be the most accomplished player 10, 15 years from now in this draft. And, And that's saying something, especially with somebody as talented as Trevor Lawrence going number one overall to Jacksonville. Uh, some other news in the NFL. Uh, how about this for the draft? The NFL allowing it to 10 vaccinated members of each team to work in their respective war rooms during the 2021 NFL draft. So probably not as remote as last year's draft was. I know there was a lot of uh, a lot of worry from the league, uh, you know, whether or not teams' connections are going to stay stay strong enough for them to get their picks in. It appears as though they're not going to have to worry about that so much this year uh, as it looks to be headed more towards a, a normal draft night or at least as close to normal as we can get these uh, in these quote-unquote uncertain times. Ah, yes, yes. No, I, I, I love hearing this. Again, it just the draft is one of my favorite times of the year. I've told that story on, on here many times. 
My dad would go get donuts, we'd wake up early, we'd watch a bunch of drafts, we'd be reading Seattle Times and the PI about their coverage. That uh, It's a very fond memory of mine, the NFL draft. So I love that, again, these are steps the league is taking to get back to that normalcy that they had before regular drafts. It, it'll be great for the teams to be back in the facility have some of these scouts, have some of these personnel people vaccinated. First of all, most important, make sure they're healthy and, and safe. And then they can do their jobs, right? And then a little bit easier to do it this year. Luckily, no big issues last season with the uh, remote draft, but it'll be good to get back to some of this normal like, um, in quotes, uh, NFL draft. So it'll be, uh, if the league needs any advice on how to do it right, though, they can come on here to Seattle because we uh, handle our business up here. Shout out, shout out. Uh, and then also in the NFL yesterday, Leonard Fournette returning to Tampa Bay on a one-year deal. The Bucks getting the band back together for the 2021 season after winning the Super Bowl last year. They haven't made any moves that have made them worse off this offseason. They haven't really added, but uh, I think that's going to be a, a move that should pay off for them, especially with how good Fournette was in the postseason. Uh, he was, you know, maybe the best running back in the entire NFL playoffs a year ago. Uh, good to get him back if you're Tampa Bay and you want to you know, continue surrounding Tom Brady with some weapons. Yeah, and look, they just need to maintain. A lot of those teams at the top, it's just trying to maintain that success, trying to keep as many of those pieces in town. Uh, the Chiefs, I think, have been the most unique in that they've, they've sort of blown it up a couple times and have let you know a bunch of offensive linemen go this season. A few years ago, you saw them go heavy and sign a lot of defensive players. So um, the, the good teams, though, tend to be just filling in and maintaining, like here in Seattle. We, we've seen that happen. So, uh, But, yeah, running backs, you feel for them this year, just the market, not there for them, unfortunately. Not there. That is it for uh, NFL headlines in this hour. If you missed any part of the show today, make sure you're downloading the podcast, 710sports.com. Click on podcast. We're there for you as well. It's every hour of every show. You can also download it, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Spotify. Make sure that you are tuning in a half hour from now because we've got a Mariners season preview special with Shannon Dreher and myself. But before we get into that, there's still some Sweet 16 action to get into. How did we get here in the NCAA tournament? How will the Pac-12 fare this weekend? And also we got shout-outs, too. Still plenty to get to in Seattle Sports Saturday on 710 ESPN Seattle. Seattle Sports Saturdays with Curtis Rogers and Taylor Jacobs on 710 ESPN Seattle. Got a barn burner in Indianapolis going on right now. Oregon State and Loyola Chicago. The Beavs on a 7-0 run. It's 20-16. Too much scoring going on. Not comfortable with this. Easy there, James Harden. Easy, guys. Take it easy. All right. Leave some points for the rest of us, but also go Beavs. Let's go. I'm feeling this Beavs team. I love this. Yeah. You, now, are you rooting for them to take down Sister Jean as well, or or is Sister Jean somebody that uh, you're okay with? Because there's, there's only now, a couple people that I've ever met that have a problem with Sister Jean. It's not that I have a problem with Sister Jean. Um, 
You guys were talking about it on uh, Jake and Stacy yesterday. The problem I have is no one talks about the players. No one talks about their accomplishments and, and being an eight seed and what they did in the tourney, you know, a couple of years ago and, and how they've become a program. All we do is talk about this. Again, she's a fantastic person, but we only talk about her and not the program's accomplishments in the basketball that actually they play, which is fantastic. Um, so I, I, that's what I have a problem with. I have no issue with a hundred-year-old fan and, and what she's done and the, the eyes she brings to the program. I just kind of feel bad for some of those kids who who are balling and they kind of get overlooked to talk about a fan. So, um, But look, hey, they're still in it. Down down uh, five points here with less than a minute left in the first to the Beavs. But an eight playing a 12. Who would have thunk? I know. And that's been one of the stories of this year's tournament is the success of the double-digit seeds. We've got a – I believe this is the second highest-seeded Sweet 16 in NCAA history. And you've got a 15 seed in Oral Roberts playing today. They're taking on Arkansas uh, around 4.30 this afternoon. You've got 11-seeded Syracuse taking on Houston. Uh, three of the four games today involve a double-digit seed. And then tomorrow uh, there's even more with you've got UCLA taking on Alabama. So uh, half of the Sweet 16 field basically is a double-digit seed, uh, or at least half the games in the Sweet 16 field involve a double-digit seed. So... I think that's been one of the common themes throughout the college basketball season is just the unpredictability of it. And what you don't have in 2020 and 2021 is really a distinct home court advantage, which has, I think, even the playing field more so than we've ever seen in the NCAA tournament. And I think that's part of the reason why we're seeing as many upsets as we've seen so far. Abilene Christian beating Texas, uh, North Texas beating Purdue, uh, games like that, it just when you take away the fans and you take away sort of the hostile atmosphere you can create with fans in attendance, it just makes for games that are just so, so, so difficult to predict. Yeah, because, you know, some people don't buy into momentum or not, but the fans have an impact on the game or else they wouldn't be there. Let's be honest. They, they, they would find other ways to, to make the money if they could do it because the, the fans bring so much to these games and, and so much passion. And they give those players juice. And whether you want to call it juice or momentum or whatever you want to call it, there is that life force that fans provide. And, and having no fans and having everyone on the exact same court, same location, Everything's even, so why wouldn't you believe you can take these guys? Like, you see him walking through the hallways of the hotel. Why don't I believe that I can take down this one seed? We're all here. None of their fans are here. I can't feel any of that extra that these big, especially the blue blue bloods bring. You can't feel any of that. So that's why you see some of these Oregon States, the Layolas, the Oral Roberts. They have that confidence they can do it. So, look. Halftime right now, Beavs up 24-16, and we could see a 12 seed in the Elite Eight, and they're playing great defensive basketball at this point. And you might say, is this is this the ceiling? Have they even reached the ceiling? And that's such a cool thing. That's what makes March Madness so unique, and especially these past few years. 
Watching 15s win, watching 12s win, watching 8s go on and beat 1s in the second round. A lot of those things are a lot more common. So it's truly one of the best sports tournaments to finding a winner. And I think one of the, the, well, at least on the West Coast, one of the best things about this year's tournament has been the success of the Pac-12, 9-1. and one, And they've got an eight-point lead on uh, the darlings of the tournament right now, Oregon State leading 24-16 at the half uh, right now. So potentially going to 10-1. and one. Obviously, the Pac-12 will take an L uh, to, or tomorrow night with Oregon and USC playing against each other, but they'll advance another team to the Elite Eight potentially two teams to the Elite Eight if Oregon State can hang on here in the second half, and maybe even a third if UCLA can get by Alabama. I, I It's so hard to explain the Pac-12 right now because of how down the conference has been in years past, but maybe, just maybe, we have overlooked them even though they're right in front of us every single day and every single week uh, when we're watching college basketball. Maybe... There is a, a level of talent in this conference that is on par with, you know, the bigger conferences, the Big Twelve. I'm not going to say necessarily on the level of the ACC or, or the Big Ten, but I mean, you look at the Big Ten; they they took plenty L's in this year's tournament. I think maybe the Pac-12 deserves a little bit more credit than they've been receiving, especially from the selection committee. Let's say that these teams were higher seeded; maybe it wouldn't be necessarily as big of upsets you know in the classic sense of that word because you look at what usc did to kansas they were clearly the better team they were miles ahead of what the jayhawks were yeah and look as a jayhawk fan as well that was it was obvious that there was just a difference and usc wanted it you could feel how much those players wanted to win that game and how quickly Kansas checked out of that game. And that's, I mean, it's disappointing obviously as a Kansas fan, but it's exciting to see as a PAC 12 fan that these guys have some fight in them. And when, and the, and the women don't, don't write off women's PAC 12 basketball either. Cause they got some ballers on the, on the women's side as oh, yeah. well. So um, the, but Curtis quickly, I do want to say, this reminds me of that meme with the dominoes where the guy pushes the one little domino and then Ooh. a big domino at the very end falls. And the little domino is you and I having our weekly let's rip Larry Scott to all heck <laughs> until he's gone. And you know what? We did it until he was gone. Causation, correlation, you pick, you decide. But Curtis and I demanding for Larry Scott's head, getting it. Pac-12 basketball might be almost 50% of the Elite Eight come Monday. I don't want to say we're the reasons why, but I'm going to go ahead and say we're the reasons why. <laughs> Look, if that's what it took, I'm glad we were able to uh, to move that domino in that direction. I, I, I don't know if it's necessarily Larry Scott leaving, but there is a dark cloud over this conference that has lifted over the last couple months when that news broke that Larry Scott would not be returning after June. So he still has some time to, you know, sign more endorsement deals with underwear companies like he did with Jockey a couple weeks ago. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I, I really do hope that they're, they're able to turn this NCAA tournament performance and, and propel it forward so we can get back to a level of play in the Pac-12 that we saw 
I would say in the early 2000s was when it was at its most competitive, its best we've ever seen. Um, and you look at the revenue share that the Pac-12 is going to get because of this year's NCAA tournament, it's it's going up with each win. And if they can get a team to the Final Four, then it's going to be even more. Uh, I believe they are the highest earning conference right now in the Pac-12 based off of, or in the country, I should say, based off of how many teams that they have advanced which means that this revenue is not just for the teams that are advancing. It's for everybody. It's for the Huskies. It's for the Cougs. It's for Cal and Stanford and all the teams that didn't make it you know, to the NCAA tournament or didn't make it very far in the NCAA tournament. The success of the conference right now, and it does sometimes feel weird to root for your conference, but the better they do, the better everyone is doing. Yeah, and I think it's – this is when you need to put your rivalries aside and just root for the conference. Now, what's great for dog fans and, and Coug fans as well is Oregon is playing another Pac-12 team. So you can pick a different Pac-12 team other than Oregon for those people who draw the line in the sand. I'm not one of those people. Again, at this point, my team didn't make it. They showed some improvement, but let's get this conference better. And that's how you do it. You, you get them into the Elite Eight. You get them into the Final Four. You get those teams on the big stage, get that revenue share between all the teams in the conference. And maybe a Wazoo makes a tournament and surprises a couple teams next year. And they help push that forward. And the, and the, the, the floor is raised with USC and Oregon and UCLA finding their footing again. And they keep raising the bar. And now there's a commissioner who cares about the, the, the actual sports in this conference and puts a little bit more money into the basketball programs and the football programs. Dominoes, right? We're talking about this. Little dominoes leading to these big changes. And that's how the Pac-12 will get relevant is, again is to continue to win games like this, have Oregon State be up in these types of games, have, an, have a USC versus Oregon so that, it, you know, no matter what, at least one Pac-12 team's going. Have a UCLA with a chance to take on a Bama, who's another upstart program. So... Look, the Pac-12 was in dire times before this, and there's a light at the end of the tunnel, and I think all Pac-12 fans are starting to see it, and every win in this tournament gets us closer and closer to the light. Absolutely, and uh, you look at the rest of the slate of today's games, Taylor. Villanova taking on Baylor, that's a five seed against a one. That game's tipping off around 215. Oral Roberts, Arkansas, 15-3. and three. Syracuse and Houston, 11 against a two. Of those three games, which do you think has the highest probability of an upset later today? Oh, man. Um, I mean, I guess the, the, the cutesy answer would be the Syracuse game, right? That, that people think Buddy Buckets is going to keep shooting the lights out and go crazy. But I like Houston. I think Houston's a, a, a decent program. I like Oral Roberts. I just think there's something about them. They are playing with supreme wow. confidence, and they, they, they. I don't know what it is. They have that it factor. I just am buying into, and I do like Arkansas. I think they're a really solid team too. But I, I just think they are more susceptible than Houston is to the, to the big drop off. So I'll, I'll take Oral Roberts. I know it's a bigger risk and a bigger long shot, but I'm taking it. They'd be going where no 15 seed has ever gone before. This is the furthest any 15 seed has ever gone. Twice now it's happened. Florida Gulf Coast and Oral Roberts making it to the Sweet 16. For me, I think the upset I'm going to be taking today would be Villanova over Baylor. I think 
oh. experience that Villanova has with Jay Wright having won two national championships in recent seasons. Uh, Villanova was one of the better teams at one point this season. They slipped up near the end of the regular season. I think I think the Wildcats could pull off this upset and move on, uh, taking out another number one seed. I just with all of these upsets, Taylor, it leaves much less room for error for Gonzaga because there would be zero excuse for them to fall short of at least playing for a national title and and maybe even winning it because they're they have been incredible this season and with the chaos that has happened around them i mean the expectation has to be national championship that's where you want to be that's what you're playing for you want to be the hunted and gonzaga has officially become the the biggest prey or the biggest sort of catch left in the tournament so the pressure will be on them to to perform and to succeed and but they also control their own destiny. There's no team left as good as them, period. And they can beat all of these teams, I think. So it's national championship or bust. But again, that's where you want to be. That's where you want your program to be. And if you're a Zags fan, you got to be liking it because I don't think they've felt this, even when they made the national championship, I don't think they've felt a team like this ever. Coming up in the next segment, we wrap it up here on Seattle Sports Saturday with your shout-outs and with our shout-outs. Text yours in to the text line, 710-710. We'll read yours on the air, and we'll also give you ours to wrap things up and put a bow on this edition of Seattle Sports Saturday. That's next here on 710 ESPN Seattle. Seattle Sports Saturdays with Curtis Rogers and Taylor Jacobs. On 710 ESPN Seattle. As we do each and every week here on Seattle Sports Saturday, it is time for your shout-outs and our shout-outs on the text line 710-710. That's where you want to put yours if you want them read on the air. We really appreciate you making us a part of your Saturday here on 710 ESPN Seattle. Uh, Beavers and Loyola still at halftime 24-16. Oregon State up in that Sweet 16 matchup, but... Taylor, I mean, I, we mentioned it off the very top of the show. This time of year, I mean, there is just something for everybody if you're a sports fan. Uh, NFL free agency, you got the draft lead up, you've got baseball starting this week, which still, it's hard to fathom. I mean, it just kind of snuck up on us after such a, a long off season, and it's, it's almost here. Uh, you've got college basketball going on. Heck, even the Masters, I think, are in a, a couple weeks. There is something for everybody this time of year. And, uh, I mean, from where we were at this point a year ago, I think it makes what we're watching in sports right now all the sweeter because we didn't have any of that 365 days ago. Yeah, look, and shout out to everyone, sports fans, just regular people doing what it took to help us get back here. And as sports fans, you know, we were all hurting a year ago and it was such a confusing time and a dark time. And some of our favorite events were being canceled, delayed, didn't know if they were going to happen. There was so much uncertainty. And now fast forward, we're here, we're, we're talking about free agency and the March madness and, and opening day next week and with fans in attendance and 
we're slowly but surely we, we've made it back and it's been difficult for a lot of people. And there, look, there's some people who aren't here anymore and aren't a part of the conversation. And, you know, we, we feel for all those people. My family was almost a part of those, that, that group. And my, my dad got sick a year ago, you know, about this time. So, um, it, it's crazy to think about where we've come. So shout out to everyone listening right now. You guys, through the thick, through the tough, we've all made it through. It's been tough on all of us. Some of us have reacted differently, but if you're here, you're listening, you agree with us, you disagree with us. The fact that we get to talk sports and real events that are happening right now is so, so such an honor. So uh, shout out to all of you. Yeah, absolutely. There've been some really cool stories. I mean, cool in, in the, I guess the theme of the stories, but some of them have been tough this week. When you hear in our contest for opening the gates at T-Mobile Park this week, there have been some really cool stories uh, of people, you know, saying why they deserve to to win those tickets. Uh, you know, whether it be you know you, your grandpa went to spring training last year and they canceled it right as he got there, and so you wanted to help him get tickets to a game. I mean, that was a, that was a cool one. There were some other ones. A FedEx driver called in, uh, you know, being an essential worker. I uh, just want to shout out all those people for, for, you know, keeping society from, you know, just completely falling apart because if it weren't for the grocery store workers and the delivery drivers and all those people, uh, it would have been very, very bleak over the last year. They've just kept everybody, everybody afloat and, and just helped get us through. And I mean, we're still, we're not there yet, obviously, but there is much more hope in March, you know, twenty seventh, twenty twenty one, than there was at this time last year, and it's uh, due in large part to those people, and, and due in large part to, you know, just a, a, an incredible, incredible, you know, people kind of thinking, you know, bigger than themselves, and uh, just shout out to them. Uh, a couple of texts coming in. Uh, the six seven eight says shout out to all the West Coast sports teams. I mean, every single one of them. All right, you know, there are some on the West Coast I wouldn't shout out. Maybe like the Lakers, or the Forty Nine ers Shout out the the Atlanta area code. Shouting out some West Coast sports there. Shout out the ATL. Like we that. we got love for the South. Peace up, A Town down. Three six L Rainbow and I shout out the best show on air. You guys make every Saturday better. Well, that's that's the goal here. We just want to make everybody's Saturday a little bit better. Uh, and glad we were able to do that, especially with the 360 right there. Um, another story I'd like to shout out this week, uh, the Seattle Thunderbirds had a, a really unfortunate incident in their locker room. Uh, two players were kicked off the team uh, for bullying and, and, and racism towards another teammate of theirs. Um, shout out to that organization for handling it swiftly and just quickly. I used to you know, work sort of in partnership with the Thunderbirds probably five or six years ago. Uh, a really great run organization, uh, and they're in my hometown of Kent. Um, you know, just an incredibly tough situation, and they I think they handled it very well. Uh, and, you know, hockey is a game for everybody. Sports are for everybody. And it's important that that message gets out there uh, that, you know, hey, just because – you know, we look different just because we sound different doesn't mean we can't be all together in it for, for sports. And 
you know, shout out to the Thunderbirds for handling that as as they did. Uh, and, you know, now they can move forward together as an organization, move forward together as a locker room. Uh, but, yeah, very important stuff that uh, happened this week with that team. And the T-Birds, a big factor in, in Pacific Northwest sports and what they've done for the community up here, the hockey fans, the fans of the, the, the game, the team. They've been fantastic, and they always give back. And funny, quick, quick, funny story about my first T-Birds game. Went with, went with my friend Zach. This is when I was in elementary school at Hazelwood, and we went to the game. It was so loud. There was a couple fights. I remember I got a headache for how, from how loud it was. And I asked my friend Zach's mom, I was like, do you have any Tylenol or Advil I could take? And at the time, I was only taking chewable tablets. She gave me a swallow tablet, chewed it up. It was one of the grossest things I've ever Ooh. had in my whole life. But I just remember <laughs> having so much fun at that T-Birds game with the raging headache, but it was still such a good experience. <laughs> so cool. We were really close to the glass, so you feel the action when you're that close. So can't wait for, for the NHL here. Uh, I'll give mine sort of related to that. Um, my neighbor is uh, is a young young man. He's becoming a sports fan. He just sort of discovered the Seahawks. His name is Sam. So young sports fans like Sam who just go out and they love their teams, doesn't matter what happens on the field. They love the games. They want to be a part of the game one day in some factor. So to the Sams out there, to all the young kids who love sports and and are going to get to go see sports in person again this year, uh, shout out to you guys because you are the next generation. We were young fans growing up in Seattle, going to the Kingdom, eating those delicious nachos, going to the trough in the bathroom pieces of the ceiling are falling down but i wouldn't trade any of those experiences growing up here and being a sports fan and getting to experience that so to all the young sports fans coming up and pushing us the next ge- the generation above them shout out to you guys those are our shout outs shout out to you for tuning in here on this saturday and making us part of your late morning early afternoon that's going to do it for us He is Taylor Jacobs. I'm Curtis Rogers. You can catch us next Saturday, same time, same place, right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. Don't go anywhere, though. Shannon Dreyer and myself, for the next two hours, from 1 to 3, will preview this year's Mariners squad, our Mariners season preview special, coming your way in about four or five minutes from now. Don't touch that dial. This is 710 ESPN Seattle.